What's up, everybody? This is part two of episode one of the Redefine Health Ed podcast. Uh, in this portion, me and Rachel really get into the nitty gritty of the psychosocial aspects of working with individuals with cancer. Um, so stay with it all the way through. It's a good episode, and we've got more for you at the end. Um, so we talked about uh, like the effects of exercise on cancer care. Talk about like. So probably everybody is wondering, or one of the things that I thought before I got a job there was like, how am I going to deal with somebody who is truly end of life? Or, Mm -hmm. you know, if they, if they talk about dying, like talk about the psychosocial aspects a little bit and how you've, how you have evolved from being a brand new grad straight out of DPT school um, to now and how that's changed. So psychosocial aspects. Oh man, that's a good one. Such a good and one. I will say, like, I'm a big like personality buff, and like, we took our Myers Briggs at the very beginning of school, and I really think because of this job, like my the core of my personality has changed a little bit because you can't help but be around these people and appreciate life in a different way. Um, so that's a great question, and I love it. Um, I would say at the beginning, like, I didn't really feel confident or know what to say to people who had terminal diagnoses. So, you know, there's a, actually a plethora of people in the cancer world that will not die of cancer because it's getting so good. And so yeah. that's like the positive and encouraging and like super hopeful aspect. But there are those really hard cases where it's really hard to know what to say. Um, like one of my most favorite patients, I, I just like for some reason, I just really grew to like care about him so deeply in my heart. Um, he had a brain tumor in oh, his cerebellum. I know you're talking about. Yes, he was really young. Like Yeah. Yeah. Played basketball, was awesome. Like, such a cool, kind guy. And, like, we developed this good relationship. But he just, like, every time I saw him, he progressively got worse. Like, this terrible ataxia attacking his cerebellum. And just, like, it was was hard to watch. Um, And I'll never forget, like, he had an appointment with me right after he saw his oncologist. And at the appointment before me they told him that there was nothing else that they that he they could do for him and so he came to me right after and he's just like you know he he was just in his chair he couldn't sit still because he had so much ataxia so his neck hurt so bad and he's just like Rachel like do you mind just like massaging my neck like just one last time like I just need a little bit of relief and so like I was sitting there massaging his neck trying not to cry because I knew I had like never see him again and like his wife was sitting right there and she they were like you know it was this weird feeling to know that this was the last time I'd ever see this man again and it was weird like when we got done and I was like, just looking at them, I just hugged them both. And like, I was just like, it was such a pleasure to meet you. And like, I was like, no, that I'll never forget you. And you, he, you know, he said the same thing. He's like, I'm so happy to have met you. 
So it was just, even though he passed and even though I couldn't help him get better, I couldn't help him walk. Like I hopefully helped him in some of his last days, just, you know, be a little bit more comfortable. And I hope that I made him laugh. You know, I hope when he came to PT, he forgot for a second that he didn't have this diagnosis and that he could laugh and we could talk about music and, you know, just, he could be a young 34 year old. So like, I didn't fix anything really, but like, I hope that I make him enjoy his life a little bit longer and a little bit more fuller and deeper during those times. So like, he'll always stick with me. Um, and it's something I had to learn, you know, it's something I had to learn to sit with people in their happiness and but also sit with people in their sadness you know and and be present with them and to listen to them because sometimes that's hard we as as people want to fix or want to say it's okay and sometimes it's not sometimes it's not okay sometimes it freaking sucks and it's not fair you know it's not fair when you see somebody who's 14 and uh you know that they're not gonna live so, oh my gosh. Um, but I think, you know, I've, I've grown so much in that aspect and that's why it's changed my personality as a, it's changed me to be able to see life a little bit through somebody else who can't live it the way they wanted to. So, um, it's, it's, it's sad, but it's happy and yeah, you know, it's, those people mean so much to me. Like you said, you do, you just don't forget them. Um, I think that everything that you just said is so incredibly profound. And I, I will share a little bit about my experience. Um, I think one thing that I learned, I think probably the best or the, you know, the biggest lesson that I learned working at the cancer center. Um, I, of course I learned a ton of clinical clinical knowledge and it challenged me so much. Um, but I also learned how to really truly measure and, and experience somebody's quality of life. You know, maybe, you know, we always talk about quality of life. We talk about like quality of life measures and how is this affecting or improving or, or whatever, somebody's quality of, quality of life. And I think that like for the individuals that I had that I, I knew it was close to the end, for them it, it really truly was a space uh, the, the the clinic that we worked in and the team just the team that we had what it was such a happy inviting space and the patients were always happy to be there and it, it was it was okay when they it, it, it like gave them a little bit of a sense of hope and it, it sort of normalized it a little bit more but just this this idea of quality of life, like it doesn't matter how how many days you have left on this earth, if if we can do anything that we possibly can to help improve your quality of life or make you feel better in some way, then that's really what matters. And sometimes, as a you know, we're physical therapists, but a lot of times we just need to listen. And you know, our our physical bodies. In, in my opinion, are like directly related to everything that's going on um, in our in our psyche and our our mental state, our our, co our cognition, our emotional state. 
is completely, our physical bodies are completely driven by those things. And if we can somehow improve somebody's happiness, even just a little bit, like how much of an effect that has on the way that their body feels. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I, the, you know, the one case you, you sort of mentioned at my 14 year old, like I, I will, I will never, I'll never forget him. And, you know, it was like every day that I worked with him, I, I would just feel like, why, like, why is this, why is something like this happening to such a young child? And I don't know what the answer to that is, but I know that working with him after I kind of like broke the walls down a little bit and he, he would smile and he would, he would, he would, you know, he was, he was motivated to still be, be doing stuff and he, he would try harder. And even though like we, we knew that it was, um, I, uh, I, I don't, I don't even know how to say it. Like we, we, we knew that it, his, his diagnosis was not favorable. Um, you still, you still try, you still try and you still do everything that you possibly can to improve that person's quality of life, even a tiny bit. Mm -hmm. And I just, I I mean, I just, I I had such a profound experience working in that clinic and, and everything that you just said, I, I hope that that resonates with other people that are like, maybe a little bit hesitant to work with somebody who has cancer, who has another type of medical condition that is terminal. Because you can be a part of the, you know, the last days, but Mm -hmm. maybe some of the best days. Yeah. Yeah. I have one more. It's short. Please. No, no. We have time. We have time. All the time. (laughs) Just speaking of like quality of life, right? So I had... A, a lady, she was so sweet, and um, her and her husband would come in every visit. She would never miss, even if she was throwing up before. She would always come in, and like we would like work on, like we would walk on the treadmill, and like really, I gave her confidence. Like she felt like if she could walk on the treadmill and she could work on some strengthening stuff with me, that like it just gave her confidence to live again. And she ended up passing, but like a month after she passed, I got this letter in the mail to my office and it was her husband and her husband wrote me a letter and said that she had passed, but he was like, he said he, he was so grateful for the time that his wife had to spend with us because he said that because of coming to PT, she went out with her friends because she felt confident and she went to go see her daughter and she got to go to lunches and dinners because she gained confidence for what we did. And he's like, I can never say thank you enough for giving her life those last few months. So, you know, it didn't seem like a lot when we were doing it, but to get that letter and to, to hear the true meaning of what we did together was, was, I'll never forget that either. That that letter, you know, that mm-hmm. letter of a thankful husband. So, I I honestly am like a little bit speechless, and that doesn't happen very often. You know, you you, you know that <laughs> others who know me know that, but I I just remember all of my all of my experiences there. I I had such I had some sad days where you know I was mourning with my patients, 
But at the same time, I had so many amazing days where I helped people be able to just stand up from a chair and they, right. they thought that they couldn't do that ever again. Just to stand up from a chair. How how big of a of a of a change to your quality of life that you can independently just stand up on your own. Mm -hmm. And you don't have to rely on somebody else to do that. Mm -hmm. I mean, I just yeah. I know. The good um, days, the good days I I'll say far outweigh the bad. Yeah. Um, and even the bad aren't that bad. Mm -hmm. They're still they're still um they're still good because you're with somebody and you're making a difference. So, mm -hmm. yeah. There's uh, this is a little plug, but at the APTA, there's always this. There's this. Um, it's part of the oncology section, and, and it's called Celebration of Life. And they all get together. Yeah, and it's a bunch yes. of oncology therapists, but we all get together and remember somebody and remember our patients. And so, you know. If anybody ever wants to go check that out it's really cool and it's really profound but um you really make a difference in that's, people's lives. that's at csm every year right yep. yep yeah so awesome it's so awesome and i i just really hope that like anybody who does end up listening to this <laughs> i don't know like, Mom, i i know yeah <laughs> my hu husband he won't even <laughs> listen to it <laughs> He'd be like, this is interesting. Um, <laughs> my name's Ben. <laughs> Anybody who does listen to this, if you're a physical therapist, um, especially in outpatient ortho, which is the vast majority of us, working with this population, like cancer is on the rise. You will, at some point in your career, work with somebody who has cancer or has had cancer or is diagnosed with cancer in the middle of your treatment. Um, or maybe they come to you with a, a, a pain or like something weird, like a, a gait dysfunction, and they end up, you know, it turns out it's because they have a tumor or something. Um, but you will work with them. And I just hope that this, by listening to this, it gives you the confidence to um, be able to, to, to want to stick it out with them. And, and, to, and also to, to build a network of individuals that you can reach out to. That's, that's the whole purpose of, of you know, my, my new website and, um, the direction that we're going is to build up build up a network of multidisciplinary specialists that can um, trade ideas and ask questions of one another and just collaborate in general. Um, and and party, you know, like maybe we'll all right. get together and party sometime. <laughs> work hard, play hard. Yeah, we're, yeah, exactly. So, oh my god, I so oh my gosh, so this is something that's funny, and I should have mentioned it at the beginning, but me and Rachel have the same exact birthday. We were to both the, born to the date to the year. To was... the day to the year. Same exact birthday. Um, so we were just like meant to be what's funny is like, you know how they say people who are born on a certain day are pretty similar. Mm -hmm. Um, I would say me and Rachel have a lot of things in common, but we're actually pretty darn we're very different. different. <laughs> yeah, no, no, we're so different. So different. <laughs> it's great. It works out. Yeah. Yeah. Like I'm like I, the I said, extrovert. Uh, You're kind of a little more introvert. Yeah. Or yeah. Katie's like the prompt, always on things. I'm the procrastinator. Like Katie <laughs> thinks I'm dead most of the time because I never respond to her. So <laughs> like sending Rachel a text message is like you have to send her at least 770 Probably, yeah. <laughs> to get her to reply so i just what keep else? sending like one emoji after the next like send send 
one day I'll respond, I promise. Gosh. <laughs> well, I know that it's not because you don't love me or care for me. Like, I, I know it's, it's just, just your like, brain. and the phone. Yeah. yeah, and, like, I read it and then I forget about it, so. Yeah, it's no big deal. But anyway, I, <laughs> I, I digress because me and Rachel have the same birthday, so that just gives us a reason to party together every year. That's right. That's <laughs> On the right. same date. Um, <laughs> but also you know, any other day that we're ever together. <laughs> and I, I don't party that much. Everybody knows that because <laughs> I have a two and three year old and am married and boring now. It's like life makes you really tired. <laughs> I go to bed at like nine. So you know. it's my favorite time to go to bed. I know. So, um, so in conclusion, Rachel, um, is there anything else that you want to share with the world or the or or your mom, the only person that's listening? <laughs> what up, Vic? <laughs> yeah, Vicky. <laughs> oh man. Um, is there anything else that you want to share to inspire? To any last little comments or cases you want to share? Anything? Um, I would just say what I would like to share, and, and in part, is that like I never knew that I would have such um, such a big love and passion in my heart to help people who have been diagnosed with cancer. Um, but it's been one of the, like, the most profound changes in my life to work with these people. And so I, you know, I, I can't expect everybody to share that passion with me, but I hope that as physical therapists, we don't look at cancer with this, not negative light, but like indifferent light, but maybe look at it as such a place to shine as a profession and such a way to shine as a person. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, I would encourage people to, to be more open-minded, to, to be, to think more critically with these patients because they've been through a lot. They've been through a lot physically and emotionally. And so it's our duty as therapists to, to realize that and to treat them as a whole person from their history to who they are now. So um, I would just encourage people to, to maybe look at it from a different lens than they have and kind of see things through their patient's perspective and just a different therapy perspective. So being open-minded and, and liking the challenge and researching those things for the betterment of your patients and you as a therapist like i think i think that's so important so badass Ooh. so badass <laughs> am i allowed to say that <laughs> i mean i can you say can whatever i want it. right like this I was is like, my edit it if you don't like that <laughs> i know i'll leave it in that's because that's okay so ben and i were talking about i guess somebody from his internship was like ben what's your brand and oh gosh. he was like uh because you know ben like my husband is like uh he doesn't have a much of a brand uh, my beard? <laughs> yeah he's got a beard and that's about it no he's he's great love ben love you sweetie but um but no like my brand or how did i even get on the subject oh like yeah yeah, yeah. so my i have a little bit of adhd i think most people that know me knows that um but like my brand is edgy um you know millennial i guess i'm definitely a millennial and I, I i don't know i just i just don't care to be um super formal 
I just mm -hmm. don't. I want to keep things mm -hmm. light and low key and um, real. Yeah, and real. And like, you see my t-shirt? Oh my gosh, that's awesome. It's my favorite new t-shirt. <laughs> that is so cool. <laughs> I wore it in the anatomy course on Sunday too, so. Awesome. Now I'm like wearing the same t-shirt all the time, man. I'm just turning into a slob. <laughs> At least it's black. Nobody can see the face. Yeah. <laughs> well, thank you, Rachel, for... Oh my gosh, it was fun. This, this was fun. And I think we should do another one where we talk about dry needling and okay. like kind of going against the grain with the we sort of mentioned it a little bit but um these like textbook contraindications that haven't yeah. been they have not been um even studied they're just like theorized and and um we're, we're going to talk about that uh maybe in another episode yeah. yeah, I was going to say, preview, I'm like trying to start a little study to look at dry needling and neuropathy, so maybe I'll have something more to share. Yeah, once cool. Once I start getting patients, so. Yeah, because we, we'll uh, I guess like a little preview, Rachel and I had worked on a couple of cases, um, especially with um, individuals with cancer or um, in remission from cancer who had some spasticity and neurologic deficits, so we used electrical dry needling um, to help reduce spasticity and improve motor function. And we actually had some pretty fantastic results just in our clinic. And we didn't really have any parameters to go by. We were just trying it out. And based on our theory and our, our, um, our understanding of what was safe and what was appropriate, um, risk versus benefit, we, we went ahead and did it. And mm -hmm. Rachel presented it at uh, CSM, she had an awesome platform presentation and got an award. She was like the winner of the platform, the, the Oncology Academy <laughs> platform. And oh my God, it was just so awesome. Like that was such a great case. But anyway, that's like a little preview for next time. And um, we'll just end there because then I'm just going to keep talking. I know. <laughs> People are like, okay. All right. Peace out, y'all. Thanks for listening to the Redefine Health Ed podcast. Stay tuned for more episodes every week. If you haven't already, visit our website at www.redefinehealthed.com. We have two courses coming up within the next week. May 12th, we have the Introduction to Musculoskeletal Imaging from 7 to 9 p.m. Eastern. And May 15th, we have Lumbar Screening for the Health Professional from 9 a.m. to 12 p.m. Eastern Time. And if you haven't already, go ahead and subscribe and follow us on all our social media platforms at Redefine Health Ed, except for Twitter, Redefine Con Ed. Take care, everyone.